The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. If you're new, my name is Ryan and I'm your pastor. We are going to be in Psalm 23 today. Psalm 23 is a very famous psalm. I believe it's the most famous uh, passage of scripture in our culture, maybe uh, with the exception to John 3.16. So the first service, we had a good time talking about this psalm. Uh, Anyone know this psalm? When I say Psalm 23, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, it's the death psalm. So if you die, someone's going to read this over your uh, grave area site. If you ever see me in a suit, it's either the best or worst day of your life. Either you're getting married or you're dead. Okay, so if you're dead, I'm probably going to read this psalm because that's what we do as pastors. You've also heard this psalm in movies. If you watch movies like The Deep Blue Sea or pretty much any war movie, they will quote this psalm. Or if you're anything like me, um, uh, I got pulled over recently. And I also call prayers like this in the Bible the blue light prayers. Because when you see those blue lights in your rearview mirror, you say, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then, uh, then you get through it. So that's Psalm 23. So we're going to read it today. And we are going to do something uh, a little bit different. Because it's a short psalm, um, would you all stand up with me? And we're going to read this psalm together. So we're going to skip the part that says Psalm of David. Because in the Bibles, it'll say Psalm 14. They didn't have the chapters back then. It would just say a Psalm of David, and they'd be on the end of a scroll. And then we would start reading at the part where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. So I'm going to start, and we're going to read out loud together. If you don't know how to read, if you're not comfortable reading, don't worry about it. You don't have to read. You can mouth it if you want to fit in. The best way to pretend to be a Christian is just to say things that Christians say. Okay? So we're going to do this, and and we're going to jump right in. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, we are about to open your word. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't be my words, but your words, that it wouldn't be just an intellectual pursuit today, but that you would take over and consume our minds and our hearts, our emotions, our passions, our dreams, our drives. God, that you would transform us as human beings to become people who depend on you more, love you more, love others more, and have a firm foundation in this world that is often so shaky. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to meet with you and to sing with you this morning. Now bless our time in your word. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, Amen. Today's sermon is The Shadow and the Shepherd because it's a very popular passage in the valley of the shadow of death. But before we get there, if you're new, what we're going to do is we're going to read a little, talk a little. If you don't own a Bible, you can grab a Bible in the back, and that could be yours, or you can download a uh, Bible from the Bible app. I love fake Bibles just as much as real ones. But before we get too far into this, I want us to just think about something. This psalm that we've all heard starts out with, The Lord is my shepherd. 
If you took the upside down version of that, so if you're into Stranger Things, you're super into the upside down land right now, and if you didn't get that reference, um, it's probably for the best because you'll think more highly of me if you've never seen that show. Okay, um, in the upside down world, if the Lord is our shepherd, then we are sheep. Okay, so, so right off the bat, when I'm reading this psalm, if you grew up in the church, this makes sense to you because it's all that you heard. You heard this prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And there's a postcard for it. There's a coffee mug for it. But if you didn't grow up in a church gathering and you're like me, you have a brain that's tweaked a little bit the wrong way, the first thing I think of is, why am I a sheep? Why couldn't God be the lion tamer and I am the apex predator? Because I don't want to be a sheep. I want claws. I want teeth. I want power. I want to be able to at least jump. Or if God's not going to be a lion tamer, I want him to be one of those bird guys with a little leather thing, you know, the falconers or whatever. I want to be a falcon so I could fly. I could see down like seven miles. I could kill fish and snakes with a swoop. But no, the Bible is very clear over and over and over again. He is the shepherd, and God thinks very highly of us, his sheep. No, no, don't say, ah, that's you. (laughs) That's not cute farm animal. When the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, the Bible is also saying in upside down world, there you are. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Steve. Hello, Rob. Hello, Greg. I was picking on people. I know if I picked on them, they'd still love me in return next week. Okay, um, but what does it mean? What does it mean that the Lord is our shepherd? There's a few things that I want us to think about. One is this, um, the role of a shepherd. Any sheep herders in here? Anyone do sheeting herp for a living? Okay, no one? No one? Okay, not a huge shocker. We're in Fishhawk. We're not from Lithia, for crying out loud, okay? Um, (laughs) In case you don't know, there's like farmers like two yards that way when I drive the back way in. Um, Shepherds, they, they shepherd sheep. Shepherds care for the sheep. They love the sheep. And even in this passage, in the Psalms, oftentimes you'll read something, because remember, it's poetry. It's not rhymy English poetry. It's Hebrew poetry. So it'll say something like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then right after these lines in the Psalms, they're usually building and pointing up to what was just read. So what does it mean that we have a shepherd that is God and that we shall not want? It means that he will make us lie down in green pastures and lead us beside still waters. That's giving us food and drink. And then he restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now remember, in all of this, this is us talking about the shepherd. He does these things. He is the good shepherd. He gives us the pastures. He leads us to the waters. He restores our soul. We are sheep. I'm not going to put up the picture too many times today because I don't want to offend you too many times because I'm planning on letting the Bible offend you itself. But one thing that we struggle with in our culture is contentment. We struggle as a people being content and happy with what we have. But this verse starts out and says, the Lord is my shepherd, and if he is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is so easy to want something in addition to Jesus. We're addicted to it. 
And in our culture, because we're not shepherds, I'm going to use some shepherd illustrations today. And it may be like, okay, this is crazy. This is confusing. Why are you talking about sheep so much? We have to understand that when God says he's our shepherd, it means he leads us, he guides us, he protects us and keeps us. And later we're going to find out he cares for us and corrects us. But part of the shepherd's role, part of the shepherd's role was to be the person that we always looked to because sheep are dumb. Like I said in the beginning, we're not lions, we're not falcons, we're sheep. I, I thought about this. Um, sheep don't really even get to walk in reverse. If a sheep wants to go somewhere behind itself, it's got to be like... And if a sheep gets attacked, all it can do is just... It can't bite anything. I mean, I've heard that if you do the goat yoga, the goats can nibble on your ears, but it's not damaging. Sheep have fluffy fur. They don't even have armor. Have you thought about how humiliating that is? That means that a roly-poly is better equipped than a sheep because at least they have armor and can go into a ball and roll. Sheep can't even go in reverse. But they have a shepherd. Now, here's the thing about a shepherd. We all have one, whether you know it or not. You may be thinking, I don't have a shepherd. I'm not a sheep. I'm a cool individual. That may be you. But I need you to know that every single one of us follows something. You may not be following an actual shepherd, but there is something that you are looking to to say, if I do this, I'll be safe. If I do this, I'll have worth. If I do this, I'll be going the right direction. And the reason I know this is because I am alive and I have social media and I watch television. Every one of our lives is thrust into a story. Whether you know it or not, there is a story that is guiding your life. And people that create the arts, people that foster and create the education system, they are shaping things to go the way that they believe they should go. And we are all part of it. I'm part of it. You're part of it. Now, we have what the Bible calls the good shepherd in Jesus. But there are other shepherds calling out and saying, if you come with me this way, you'll be safe. If you just focus on these things, you will have worth and value in your life. And we know what they are, right? Because we all do this whether we realize it or not. From the time we're little itty-bitty kids, we let other voices say, follow me, and all will go well. When we're little kids, it's like collecting Pokemon cards. I was picking up my kids from school. Um, whenever I pick them up from school early, this is free parenting advice, and they say, why are you taking your child out of school? Just say mental health day, and it's like a free pass. And I don't have to lie, because it really is a mental health day to get them out of that torment of school. Um, so I was picking them up from school, and as I'm walking, because one of them was in the cafeteria, so I'm walking, they give me a pass, because it's creepy to see a giant man walking through a campus of little kids. So I'm going to look for my kid, and I hear these kids talking about Pokemon cards. And one kid said, I've got 160 Pokemon cards. And that kid was with two other kids. Do you think they had more or less than that one kid? M more. Instantly. Kid number two, well, I've got 200 Pokemon cards. And I was like, oh, this is great sermon illustration. God, make that third one lie just as much. <laughs> and that little kid, I've got over 300 Pokemon cards. And I'm literally sitting here at this point. This is lit this last Friday. I'm like, no way, God. Perfect sermon illustration. Give those kids Jesus. They need him bad. And I just kept going. Now, chances are slim that they shared the number of Pokemon cards they had in cascading up order. <laughs> and you would think, what is it? That's not a shepherd. No, no, that's, that's a shepherd. It's the same shepherd that you and I are tempted to follow. It's the shepherd of more stuff than the person next to me. 
And if I have more than the person next to me, then I'm doing this thing called life right. We all do it. They do it with Pokemon cards and matchboxes and who can be the fastest runner. We do it with cars and clothes. And, and we do it without thinking, right? I, I worked in retail. I remember when I worked in retail, I, would, um, I could pick out any brand of jeans by the pattern on the butt pocket. At least that's what I, no, I'm just kidding. No, seriously, though. So I'd be like, oh, Levi's, Abercrombie, Hollister, uh, True Religion, which are horrendous now, if you're wearing those, sorry. Um, and I would just go through and pick out all the jeans. And I knew I could judge it. Those jeans are like 1 to 150. Those jeans are 2 to 250. And without even thinking about it, because I just knew jeans, I'd be like, oh, they got Wranglers. <laughs> and then the weirdest thing happened. People started liking the torn up, ripped up jeans. And then all of a sudden, stores started making jeans pre-torn and ripped. And then you'd be like, oh, I actually ripped these jeans. And then you'd be really cool. And we do it with our cars. We do it with our kids. Get the report cards out. I did it this week. Got my kid's report card. And then I went over to my friend's house. Let's just call my friend Jared. I said, Jared, how'd your kids do? I want to compare if my self-worth as a parent is better than your self-worth as a parent. That's what we did. We did that. I need Jesus this week. We do it still. Somebody drives something that we want. You get that 2017 car. Well, too bad. They're already on model 2024. And we're always striving. But sheep don't do that. Sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd that leads them to what they need, not what they want. Even going to a church gathering. We all come here with something that we think we, we want. I want this. I want kids who obey. I want a spouse to love me. I want God's blessing upon me. We come with our wants, but sometimes God is going to cut all the way through our wants and say, you want this, but you need this. You want to go here, here, and here, but if you go these places, they're going to lead somewhere bad, so I'm going to give you what you need instead of what you want so that you can be right where I have you. Now, this is, uh, if you're a bullet point person, I need some of us today to stop waiting for the right situation in life and start looking for the right shepherd. Some of us are waiting for that situation, and we're always on the cusp. Well, when I, it starts young. When I finish middle school, I'll be in high school. When I finish high school, I'll get to college. When I get to college, I'll get a job. When I move out of my parents' house, I'll get a real job. When I, when I get married, then it'll be there. When I have kids, then I'll finally be happy. And just a newsflash, if you're like, not at the age yet where, where there's like no one above you in the line of death, like all your aunts and uncles have died, you're at the front of the line. If you're there, or if you know someone like that, go talk to them, because the game keeps going. It's, well, maybe if I just get to the next phase, then, I, then I'll be happy. Then I, I won't be so afraid. Then I'll have some self-worth in, in who God thinks I am. No, be who you are, you guys. Church family, I just need to remind you, you. This is you. You can't back up. You can't bark. You can't scratch. You can't fly. You can't even roar. You can barely ba. You make clothes, but then someone takes those off of your back and gives them to other people. This is you. Okay, so we're clear. We're going to keep going because we don't have much time today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now, I, I don't super like this translation. It's, I think they kept it this way because it was this way in the King James, but really it's probably just the, the darkest valley. 
Now, has anyone ever been in a dark valley of life, like a difficulty, cancer, illness, scare, relationship busted up, jacked up, messed up? Okay, just making sure. Thanks, Jared. Me and you again. I'm just going to hang out with you today, and then I'm going to use you for an illustration later. Okay. Um, here's what I need us to understand about the valley. The valley is where everything grows. I'm sorry, I forgot I'm in Florida. Okay, so a valley is where there's two mountains on either side, and there's a cavern between them. And if you imagine these things called mountains where the earth's crust pushed the earth upwards, I know for swamp people it's hard, um, the sun hits a mountain and makes a line on the mountain across the way, and there's a shadow in the valley. And down in the valley is where everything grows. It's crispy and crusty. It's like if you go out in the Everglades area, that's what valleys are like. Bushes, critters, creepy crawlies, no humans, okay? And we are walking in this valley. This valley could be the death That's why we read this at funerals. But it's not really the valley. And even if it is the valley of the shadow of death, it means you're in the shadow of death. You're not in death yet in this valley. This is a valley of difficult times. This is a valley where things aren't going right. This is a valley where you can't see through. You can't find the way out. This is the valley where when you're getting out of it, you say, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. But something has happened in our culture, and I'm not 100% sure why it's happened. I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. People in our culture, we love, for some reason, broadcasting when we are in the valley. And I am not sure why this happened. But when someone is in the valley, read this with me, okay? What does it say? Even though I walk through the valley, it doesn't mean we're going to sit in the valley. Some people get in the valley and they just think, that's it. I'm building a house. I'm going to take a selfie in the valley. I'm going to blog in the valley. I'm going to write in the valley. I'm going to cry in the valley. I'm going to stay in the valley. If we are following the shepherd, we don't have to stay in the valley. We get to go through the valley, and we will fear no evil because who is with us? Our shepherd is with us. Our shepherd is with us in the valley. And so often, we let the valley overcome us. And believe me, I know that some valleys... When you're down there, it is dark and lonely and terrifying. I've been in valleys where I thought, this is my life. Because I forgot the shepherd. And notice what it says. The shepherd, he's not, he's not on the top of the mountain saying, Hello! Get out of there quick! Where is he? He's with us in the valley. I love this. I love that God would see my mess and say, I'm going to get messy with you. I I watched this um, YouTube channel with my boys called Brave Wilderness. And they do this, like these animal shows. And I, I love animals. I'm super into them. This most recent episode, they were collecting bloodworms. And to collect bloodworms, you go out in these big mud flats of Maine. You have these big hooks. They look like Freddy Krueger, like in terrifying horror film. And you put the hook in the mud and you pull up a chunk of mud, and they were just slogging around, slogging around. And pretty soon, one guy fell in the mud, gets mud in his hand, and they're throwing mud, and they're trying to find these worms just to make a YouTube video. But when they got out of it, they, they sort of showed the camera on the different guys. And one of the guys, the one that was the tour guide out there, he was the guy who caught these worms for a living. Apparently, you could sell these worms for fish food. And um, he was the veteran. And one of the guys fell in the mud and got his hand all muddy. And the veteran said, hey, wipe it off on me. And the camera guy was like, I can't do that. It's mud because this is a camera guy. 
This is a city person. This is a fish hawker. You don't want to impose on other people with your mess. So instead, he said, I can't do that. And the guy said, no, wipe it off of me. It's what I'm here for. I thought, that's what he's here for. And, and by now, if you haven't caught on, I'm always looking for Jesus everywhere. So then I started crying. And they're catching bloodworms, and my boy's right here. Jackson's here. Silas's head was over here. And I'm just like, <laughs> And they're like, Daddy, are you sad that they're going to hurt the bloodworm? And I'm like, they hurt him, but it wasn't the worm. Because that's what he's here for, to be with us in the valley, to get us through the valley. Now, this is homework. If you, uh, I'm not going to read this today, but you need to read John chapter 10, uh, the first chunk of it, the first half of that chapter, because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the good shepherd. Write it down for later. And I'm just going to read you some things because we're talking about shepherds and sheep and, and God will be with us. Here's what he do, did when he was with us in John 10, 1 to 21. The sheep hear his voice, so he calls out to his sheep. And he calls them by name. He doesn't say, hello, sheep, generic. He says, hey, you, my sheep who can't go in reverse, Ryan, come hither. And I go hither. The sheep follow him. They know his face they enter through him. There are going to be false shepherds that guide us wrongly, that will steal, kill, and destroy life, which is why we have one of the most advanced technological uh, societies, yet we have one of the highest numbers of people that are turning to substances because there's a numbness in us. So we turn to things to numb the pain because we we've been following false shepherds. There are other sheep that God is calling into the sheepfold, and Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. He says, this is what I'm here for. You're muddy, I'm muddy. There's this uh, addiction in our culture to hiding, uh, to showing our best off and hiding the rest. Have you guys noticed that sometimes? Uh, I notice it especially. I'm like a Twitter addict, like anything that's, that's social media. I'm trying to get really good at it so when my kids get into it, I won't be like left in the dust because sometimes like, I hang out with parents and I'm like, hey, how do you manage your teenagers nowadays with all the things that they have? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm on Facebook. And I'm like, oh my gosh, your kids left Facebook like 30 years ago. Like, you, you need to move forward. And wherever we go as parents, they leave. Like, the parent is the first warning flag. <sighs> My mom's on Instagram. That's the first time your kid goes, <gasps> And then when the grandma gets on, it is over. You may as well just put a fork in Instagram. It's done. And then all of a sudden, it's just going to be hilarious because we're going to have people in their 90s saying, What is this chapsnat? <laughs> just making sure you're with me. We, we have this thing where we, when we're in the valley... When we're going through hard times, we, we don't want to show people our mess. The valley is messy. The valley is difficult. But Jesus is with us in the valley. Jesus is with us, and he doesn't just want us to show off our best and hide the rest. He wants us to bring our mess and say, here. It's what he's here for, so that we can bring our mess. We don't have to pretend we're okay anymore. Let's, let's keep looking at this. I love this part. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Rod and staff. Now, um, this is interesting. My generation hates discipline. We hated it. We grew up, and we started getting discipline, and we rebelled against it. The generation after me really hates discipline. They make my hatred of discipline look mild and meek in comparison. 
Because at the end of the day, a timeout for me was still when I just got in so much trouble, my time was out, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I'm all for places for us to contemplate things. Um, I used to be a school teacher, and not a very good one, which is why I'm doing this job. Um, and I, would, I tried to figure out, how do I, how do I get these kids to, to listen? And I didn't know what I was doing. I was only supposed to substitute teach for nine days, and I ended up working there for a year and a half. Um, so the kids would disobey, and I would say, okay, kid number A, I want you to go stand in the corner and just, just put your face in the corner. And then I had one of the counselors come by. You can't do that, Mr. T. They called me Mr. T. It was the best. You can't do that, Mr. T. And I was like, I pity the fool. And, um, and then I would go, fine, I can't do that. And then a kid, next day would mess up. I'm like, I've never been taught these things, so I can't put you in the corner because nobody puts baby in the corner. Baby, um, get down and give me 20 push-ups. And then later that day, counselor come by, Mr. Serona, you can't make the kids do physical labor for their disciplinary actions. I'm like, okay, I'm running out of tools here, you guys. You're really taking this out of me. Uh, so then day number three, they do something again. Okay, I can't put baby in the corner because uh, that makes them look at a wall. What if they're nearsighted? I don't know. Can't make them do push-ups because, heaven forbid, we have a, a middle schooler with triceps. Perfect idea. Um, I want you to go out in the hallway and just lay down like a starfish till the bell rings. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Mr. Timmer, will you please report to the principal's office? Uh, I thought I was done with this. Those kids hated discipline, man. But the shepherd has got some tools. He's got a rod and a staff. The staff we like. The staff is the hook. <laughs> you do something bad, you sort of wander away, but you're kind about it. Because remember, sheep, you can't go backwards. You can't sneak out the back because there's no reverse. You just go forward and to the right. And the shepherd has a staff. He'll hook you. Say, come no, 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 no. Come on in. Because we need that. Because sheep, we're dumb. We'll walk off a cliff. We'll die. We'll perish. We'll walk toward a pack of wolves. We need our pack. We need our shepherd. The shepherd had a rod that he could kill the wolves and the bears with. We don't get the rod, just so you know. I know Christians pretend we have the rod. We love beating the tar out of each other. The rod's not yours. It's the shepherd's. He will hit wolves away and protect us. But there's, and there's this story that um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's true or not because I can only find it said by pastors, and pastors, terrible liars, these people. Um, so I, I, I mean, I researched deep. Like, I went into ancient shepherding practices. I read encyclopedias. I almost went to a library, and then I was like, ah, Google exists. Um, and then I kept doing and researching and going through all my books. And, and I couldn't find this, but so many pastors have said it, it must be true. Um, and part of it is true. Now, here's the part that is true. When a sheep would get out of line and do something ornery, the shepherd would first try to guide it back in with the crook of the staff. When a sheep was repeatedly ornery, the shepherd would give it a little whack. Ka-chow! Sheep gets ornery again. Ka-chow! Third time's the charm, just like at home with my kids, with timeouts. Um, Ka-chow! And oftentimes the sheep would get hurt because the shepherd would be hitting them, because the sheep would be going toward danger, because the sheep would be trying to get away from where safety was, because the sheep would be trying to go somewhere where it wasn't going to be good for the flock. So the shepherd said, it's not good that way. Stop going that way. Go this way. It's the same thing when your kid runs out in the middle of the street and they don't look both ways. And you tell them to look both ways, and their version of looking both ways is this. And then a car comes by. And what do you do? Do you gently say, oh, Sweet child of mine, 
come hither back from the street of death and destruction. No way. In like a half a second, you take off a shoe, throw it at the windshield of the car, run out there like the Hulk, put one foot up, grab your kid, throw him up like the Flash and Thor and go, yeah, saved you. The meantime, while that happened in slow motion in your head, all you just did was give your kid whiplash and a mild concussion. But he didn't get hit by the car, which is the point. The shepherd will rod you when you're running toward danger, but, but we don't like discipline. My generation didn't like it. This next one really, really didn't like it. And let's just be honest. Nobody is like, discipline, sign me up. Which is why we don't put that on the connection card. On the connection card it says, hey, you're new here. Do you want to be baptized? Join a small group? Do you want to get beat with the rod of discipline? It's a good idea, maybe, but I mean, it might get me more involved in pastoring. But here's the thing. If it's good for us, shouldn't we actually want it? My kids one day will realize that all of the discipline I gave them was good for them. The way that we love each other, that we disciple, remember, discipline, disciple, we're teaching each other to follow the shepherd. It matters. I'm super exhausted with safe spaces on college campuses. I'm super exhausted with the amount of political correctness in certain areas of, of cultural dialogue. Now, there is a safe place. There's one. Only one that I know of. It's the cross of Christ. The safe place in life is when we're children. Our job as parents is to be a safe place to raise our children up because those of us who are older the age of 10 know that the world is not a safe place. And we can try to stretch it out as much as we can. We could try to say, we're going to make safe spaces in college. We're going to make safe spaces in HR headquarters. We're going to have safe space all the way up until we die. But death is no safe space if you don't know the shepherd of the cross. So where will you stand? Will you be someone who runs from discipline? Will you be someone who, when the shepherd hits you, you get mad? Now, the interesting thing about this is that um, there's so many cute pictures of Jesus, like this one. So, two things. A, Jesus is not white, and he looks pretty white in that one. Um, B, if what I said about shepherds is true, Jesus just beat the junk out of that sheep. And we never think that. We're always like, that's so cute. And that sheep's like, he just beat me. And Jesus is like, there. Because when the sheep get healed, they stick by the shepherd. They never leave again. Because the shepherd, when he does hurt a sheep, or when a sheep gets hurt, he holds it and cares for it. And he will carry the sheep, even if the sheep can't walk. And while that's cute, sometimes we have to remember that Jesus is doing that because God just revealed something that was painful in our lives. And we may not like it, but we should learn to love it. We can as the people of God, put away the shininess of church life. People church shop all the time. I meet someone, at least one or two people every week. We're church shopping. And if you're church shopping, good on you. Keep shopping. If you go to a church that's shiny, if you think this church is shiny, send me a, an email. You could text me. Here you go. If you, think my ch- if you think this church is shiny, you could just text that number. Say, you're a bunch of shiny people. Um, This is a place where you don't show your best and hide the rest. 
You gather with the church and you bring your mess. This is a church where we're not wonderful sheep. We have a wonderful shepherd. This is a church where our safe space isn't a man-made uh, foyer or space in, a, in a, a colonnaded area in a college. Our safe space is at the cross of Christ. And that space wasn't very safe for him. It was violent and deadly for him so that we could find refuge in that. When you get disciplined by the rod, remember that he, God does this because he loves us. It's what Hebrews 12 tells us. So, the last thing I want to say is this. In your pursuit of being a good sheep, remember that as much as we want to be individuals, we are part of a flock. I was confessing in the first service that this week I felt like a good sheep. And this morning, and this is not planned at all, I woke up and thought, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to look for the shirt that needs the least amount of ironing because that's how lazy I am. And I just felt like today being an individual because I know today um, one thing that pastors know about each other, we can pick each other out of a crowd. I can see a tucked in, awful plaid printed shirt. I could see slightly skinny jeans and suede shoes from a mile away. And I'm like, senior pastor, worship pastor, youth pastor, boom. So today I thought, that's it. I'm not going to be that pastor. So I'm going to be an individual. I don't want to be part of the flock of pastors. So I put on my jeans because I only own two pairs. I only own one pair of shoes that match these jeans because I wear flip-flops all the time. But I'm like, that's it. I'm not going to wear a plaid button shirt. I'm going to wear a T-shirt and a denim thing with a leopard print collar so people will question my sexuality. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be original. I'm going to leave my glasses at home so I can't even see the stinking board in the back. No joke. I do all this today to be an individual, to be cool, because... Pastors struggle with sins, too. I wanted to stand apart from the flock. This was not planned, you guys. Stand up, please. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Go sit back down. So either, either he's outside my bedroom window in the morning... <laughs> Or God was like, you want to be an individual? Fine, be an individual with a whole other uh, flock of individuals. And I didn't even notice. And I was, God loves us so much that he would take us and remind us who we are. <laughs> God loves us so much that even as a dirty, grimy sheep, he would send Jesus to die for us, that he would be our true and good shepherd. God loves us so much that he will walk us through the valley, so we don't have to stay in the valley. I pray that you would be his sheep today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to love you with our minds. I thank you for this opportunity to think about you with our hearts. Lord, I pray that, that we would all be challenged to not strive, but to be sheep. Sheep who just follow a shepherd, who walk slowly and take what you give us, who are provided for by your great love. Lord, help us to remember this prayer, to remember this psalm when we go through valleys. When we feel like we are stuck in a valley, help us to cling and know that you are going to get us through. It's all for you and for your name. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.